We don't just believe a philosophy. We believe in God Almighty who is still uh, active in our lives. If you read the New Testament, in fact, we went through the book of uh, Acts not that long ago, and I, I taught on that, that really I believe the book of Acts should be called, instead of the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because you see God moving and doing so much. And even this morning, as, as uh, we were in worship, we see some of the New Testament coming alive. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about what, what we saw this morning, some uh, prophecy, and there's different gifts that come. And, and if you're visiting this morning, if that was something uh, unusual, I just want to read a scripture in 1 Corinthians 14. It talks about this. It says, How is it then, brethren, verse 26, Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, and let one interpret. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And, and you may, maybe you were sitting there and maybe somebody next to you was, was speaking to God. In, in a tongue, and you didn't understand what they were doing. I believe in a, in a order in a worship service. That's, they're they're praying in tongues. We don't always understand what the we don't understand, but the Bible talks about that. That's that's a a language that would, that the spirit prays and they can understand. And so, if there was somebody doing that next to you, you know, they're just speaking to to God uh, in a way that their spirit is being edified. It's very biblical. You might have been sitting next to someone and thinking they were speaking in tongues and maybe it was Norwegian <laughs> or Spanish or French. You know, I want to encourage you to not, to not you know, be quickly offended. The enemy would want to come in and, and try to say, well, that just seems out of order. I remember one, one time I had uh, some, some people I knew and we, we were talking about uh, whether or not you should ever speak in tongues in church if there's not an interpretation. And uh, so I went to them and I said, hey, I was just in a church service just last week. And the whole church began to sing in a tongue and I couldn't understand it. And it was really confusing to me. And I said, what do you think? Well, this, this person had their opinion. They said, well, I think that that was out of order. They should not have done that because there was no interpreter. I said, okay. Did I tell you that I was in Norway and they were speaking Norwegian? <laughs> oh, well, then that's okay. Okay. If the person next to you is praying in a tongue quietly, just pray yourself. But then we hear, it goes on, it says, if, if, if let two or three prophets speak. And what we heard this morning is somebody believes that they felt that God had a word for the church this morning. And so the Bible says that if there's a prophetic word, a word that comes, that the elders, the people need to judge the word to make sure that it was of God or that it was right. And as I listen to that word myself, uh, you know, I'm working with our elders and training them. Hey, when, when the prophecy comes in the church, we need to have our ears open. We need to make sure, hey, is that a good word? And, I, and what I heard is that God loves us, that he wants to comfort us, that he sees us in our night seasons, and that he's with us. And I went, well, that sounds like the God that I read about in the Bible. Amen? So I just want to bring a little instruction here and there in case uh, for, for those that maybe that's a little foreign to and uh, that, that it is biblical, and that's what we're doing.
this morning, and boy, the Spirit of, of God was really present during that worship. Holy, holy. God is holy. And I thought, what other word can you, can you say? I mean, that is such a, such a great word. He is holy. What does that mean? He is, he is set apart above all things. Another, uh, another definition of the, in, in the original languages in the Greek and Hebrew would also could use sanctified, set apart, unspoiled, undefiled. There's all of these understandings with God that he is holy. Jesus Christ is not just another man. He's not just a teacher. He's not a philosopher. We don't get to make up what we want to believe about Jesus. Well, we can. People do it all the time. But that's not that's what, what we should do. This morning, in, in, as we're going into the, the dedication, I have a message, I believe, from the Lord, and we're one week after the resurrection of Jesus. And I don't even know where to put my notes. Don't know if I need these, but don't want to get off too bad one week after the resurrection of Jesus what's going on what was going on in Jerusalem at this point well I'll, I'll catch us up the disciples are hiding the disciples are hiding because the one that they thought would be the Messiah they don't know for sure what's going on they're still undecided Jesus rose from the tomb we know that they had some visits already from this Jesus but they're still having a little bit of doubt in fact over the course of this next month they're they're confused they see Jesus he appears in the middle of a room and he you know and he says here's my side here's my hands I'm him he teaches and then he disappears and he's gone for another week and he shows back up and and I'm sure the disciples who were very regular people are going okay what now and actually as you read the Bible you see that they're confused at one point just a few weeks a few weeks after the resurrection they're still going what do we do now Peter goes I'm going fishing well that's what he did that's what he did for a living in other words I'm going back to do what I know to do because this whole Jesus thing I'm not sure about it and so they go out and they go, and all the guys go yeah let's just go fishing so they go out and they're they're fishing they're out fishing all night they don't catch anything and they're coming back in and there on the shore is this man cooking some fish and he yells out, hey, do you have any luck? No, nothing. Throw your net on the other side of the boat. And they did. And they caught 153 fish. That's what the Bible says. Somebody counted them. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of the disciples, it, it, I think it was Matthew. Because he was the tax collector guy. He was the accountant. And he's going, I'm going to, yeah, how many? Because it was such a big number that it said that the net didn't break and they were amazed. And so I think he's like, well, I don't want to just tell people, yeah, we caught a lot of fish and the net didn't break. So he goes, one, two, three, four, gets up to 100. We're at 100, Peter. He's going, everyone else is hanging out with Jesus and he's still counting fish. Why? Because he's like, because I'm going to tell people this crazy story. And I want to be exact because they're not going to believe that it was 153 fish. Now, for me, I've done 153. How many fish can fit in a net? I don't know. But to a fisherman in that time, they would have said, 153 big fish? No way. 
you felt a tap on your shoulder? No way. You think you heard the voice of God? No way. Yes way. And so, but the disciples, they're like you and me. They're skeptical. They, they're, they're, they're fearful. They don't know what's going on. Remember, Peter's the same one just a couple weeks ago. He's denying Jesus. Wait a second. I don't know. They're fishing. They're, they're, they're figuring this thing out. Last week, the title of the message on Easter was that three days changes everything. That three days, the resurrection church changes everything for you and for me. Absolutely changes everything. It was the game changer. And the proof that it's the game changer is what's happening today and has continued to happen since Jesus walked on this earth until today. Why on earth is Christianity the biggest religion in the world if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? The first 40 days of, him, uh, of, of his resurrection, the disciples were still hanging back. They weren't telling anybody. They were afraid. They weren't quite convinced that Jesus was really alive, that he was the Messiah, that he was God. But over the course of that 40 days, they became convinced enough to stake their lives on it. Christianity never would have taken off the way it did if Jesus wouldn't have risen from the dead. They would have been hiding and they would have kept hiding. None of the apostles got rich. Most people, when they start a false religion, become rich through it. We talked about a little bit about this last week. The, the three G's. If you're going to start a religion or a cult, there's the three G's that you're always going for. You're going for the gold, the glory, and the girls. These cult leaders, all of them, pick them. They, multiple wives, they're, they, right? They go for the gold, the glory, and the girls. The apostles got none of them. They got martyred. So what's in it for them? truth they had seen and experienced jesus in a way that they said listen i can't hide this i'm gonna i'm all in you play poker you know you're sitting with a royal flush and you go i'm all in baby (laughs) the disciples had everything to lose and nothing to gain in the natural. They're going against their religion. They're going against the nation. And yet they say, this Jesus, Peter's preaching in the book of Acts, in just a couple of weeks from now, we'll go, in a few weeks we'll talk about Pentecost a little bit more. But Jesus, in, in Peter's preaching, he goes, this Jesus whom you crucified rose again. He's alive. What do you have to gain for that? That's not a good message. You killed the king of glory, but I tell you he's alive and I'm willing to stake my life upon it. And we see the birth of the new church 
and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. And in all natural, it shouldn't have. Because all of those disciples should have hidden, which they did for about a month, and walked away and said, not this little gray duck. There's nothing in it for me unless it was true. And if it's true, they can't deny it. And so we find them preaching, expanding. See, what they, what they did is they dedicated their entire life to what they believed is true. And that's what you and I, most of us in this room, have done. We've dedicated our lives to this Jesus. Something happened in your life, and if it hasn't happened, I'm praying that it will happen, where you're conf- you were confronted or you'll be confronted with who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Was he just a philosopher? Was he just the rabbi? Was he a good guy? Was he a, a way, to, way to get a free meal? Or is he who he says he is, the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself? And, and I was confronted with that. And to say that I could no longer be the king of my own life, I couldn't just do what I wanted to do because there was this problem. There was a guy who hung on a cross for me and he said that I am God. And if you believe in me, you confess your sins, you can live with me forever in heaven. And I, and I, and I went through you know, this, this thing as we all have and I've done it multiple times in my life. Do I want to be the king of my life or do I want to let God be the king of my life? And we're confronted. And at some point, most of us in here, we dedicated ourselves. Says, I believe that you're God. I'm going to follow you. But who did you believe in? Did you just ascend to, well, you know, he's got some really good teachings. The majority of people in the world who know of Jesus, Muslims included, have a high respect for Jesus and his teachings. They do. They, they, Muslim, they, oh, Jesus was one of the prophets in Islam. They don't have a problem with Jesus, and he taught some wonderful things. Many people I talk to today will compare him to like the Buddha. Well, Jesus and the Buddha, and actually Jesus had a lot of similar teachings as the Buddha. And people compare the two. And they say, well, there's been some other wonderful teachers in the world, and Jesus was one of them. And and he's given us a a way, and, and, and we should all love each other and be kind to one another, and that's who Jesus is to me. That might be, that's what some people, that's who Jesus is to me. Well, that's fine, but it's not enough because Jesus never claimed to be just the teacher. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we, have, we are continually uh, pressed with this question, who is Jesus? And we need to be reminded of it even as believers because we at one point in our life maybe says, yes, God, I'll follow you. I'll do everything you want. I'll dedicate everything to you. And we, we were doing it. And, and then something happened. And pretty soon we're starting to take control of our life again. And, and yeah, we still believe. But it, where is he in our life? Is he our king or is he just, I'm just a Christian. I go to the Elks Lodge. I'm a moose. I'm a, rot- I'm a Rotarian. I just kind of what I do. I hang out at the VFW. It's just part of who I am. Jesus is more than that, but, but we come to many points in our life where, where we've relegated him to just be something that we are. We, just, we go to church on Sundays, and, and we like it. We like the people there, and we like the teaching, but is he still the Lord? 
we have to continue to be, we're, we're continually pressed with this question, who is Jesus? I've played golf a few times because I'm a pastor. Pastors have to play golf. <laughs> yeah, there's, that, that's, there's a lot of praying, but there's also a lot of cussing. So you got to be careful, you know. The, I'm not a real, I'm a, I'm a horrible golfer. I was watching some golf recently, and, and you know, they're, they're all, all the people are standing down, you know, for the tee off. And, I mean, they're going down like, you know, 40 or 50 feet in front of the tee just watching that. And I went, oh, man, God help anyone who's ever 40 or 50 feet down the side maybe because I'm going to slice it and I'm going to kill somebody. I, it, 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 I enjoy going, but boy, it, I mean, you know, my bowling scores and my golf scores are like reversed, you know. But, but if a guy came up to me, you know, and, and, and you know, just went randomly walking by and says, well, you know, you got to tuck your head and you got to do this, I might listen to him. I might not. You know, who are you? If I looked up and it was Tiger Woods, I'd listen. I'd, I'd, I'd listen. It's Tiger Woods. Would you? Tiger Woods gave you a golf tip? Well, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take tips from morally either, but... Right? Who is Jesus? Well, if he's just a teacher, you might take a tip from him or not. He's just a teacher. But if Jesus is who he says he is, who the Bible says he is, if he's God, then we should probably listen. Right? We got to remember, we have to put God back on the throne where he is in our life. And the resurrection and the birth of Christianity, I believe, prove Jesus. See, if there is no resurrection, the Bible even says it. The Bible says it about itself. If there is no resurrection, our belief is futile. I mean, it's just, it's, it's empty. So, what are some of the things that Jesus taught us? Well, the great Shema, the, the great commandment in, in the Bible, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Jesus taught that. In fact, he, one, someone went to him and says, hey, you know, Rabbi, you're such a good teacher. People talk to me like that sometimes. They actually kind of, they like try to trick me and catch me. Oh, yeah, well, what about? So, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, the, the Ten Commandments are... are about loving God, how we treat God. Four of them, the next six, are about how we treat people. So they're wrapped up, all ten. Love God with part of your heart, part of your soul, part of your strength, part of your mind. Hey, come on, truthfully, that's how I live sometimes. If we'll be honest, we'll go, yeah, that's, that's it. Love God with part of my heart because I love all these other things too. Part of my strength because... But Jesus, he taught that. Love God, love each other. And if he's just a teacher, we can say, well, you know, that's, that's good, but he doesn't understand everything. 
You know, that, that was for then, this is for now. We're going to make up all the excuses we want to not follow him. But if, if Jesus is who he says he is, then we need to heed. And see, the Lord is, is, is calling us, each individually, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's calling us to love our neighbors, ourselves, and I tell you, it's hard. You know, I'm not always lovable. Ask my kids, ask my wife. I try. I'm not always lovable, and I bet you, you're not either. And, and just to find out, randomly over the next two months, I'm going to visit each of you at four in the morning and wake you up. Just random to see how lovable you are, right? You're like, stay out of my house. Smith and Wesson lives at my house. Right, we're not all lovable, but, but God is saying we, he wants us to begin to love him and love, love our neighbor. And you know what I tell you? I tell you, I, I can't love. There's a lot of people that I know if it wasn't for God's strength, I couldn't love them. That's why we love God first and then love, love our neighbor second because loving God is going to help us. Getting an understanding of loving him and receiving love from him is going to help us love others and it's going to help us to, to do this thing of what he wants us to do is to dedicate ourselves fully to him. The Lord is looking for us to, to just give him our everything. Whatever that looks like. What is love? Man, don't you love that, one, that question? What's love? And so right away, if I, if I were going to say, okay, Ready? I'm going to think in your mind, get, a, get an answer ready. What is love? Raise your hand if you thought 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, kind, never jealous, envious, a few of you. Yeah, that's where a lot of us go. Okay. Because we go, what is love? And we start coming up with these things. Well, love looks different depending on who's giving it and who's receiving it. Let me, I'm going to ask you this. Okay, ladies. How many, and I want bold people to the hands up here. I'm going to use the word love, not appreciate. I want you to listen. There's a difference between appreciating something and feeling loved. Do you guys agree? How many of you ladies feel loved if your husband do the dishes? Raise your hand. Yeah, don't be ashamed. You actually go, man, I actually feel love. Husband, be looking around here. This is important. Okay, put them down. How many of you ladies would feel love, not appreciate, but actually go, wow, I would feel loved if they bought you a sentimental greeting card? Okay, okay. See, some, there's some others. How many of you will feel loved if they rake and clean up and, and really like clean up the yard for you? Okay. See, do you see what's happening? Some people are like, cart, yes, dishes, yes, raking, yes. Some of you I haven't figured it out yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> How many of you will feel loved if your husband takes time off and says, honey, let's go for a walk? Okay. Now, I could get into trouble on this one. So we're not going to... You're not, not, we're not going to try, try to get any, any, any fights here. But, uh, okay. Now, this is very specific. 
This is very specific. How many of you, we'll, we'll go ladies first, and I'll do, I'll do the men. Ladies would feel loved and really want your husband to say, I'm going to, I am going to fix the dryer. Okay, anyone? Who is saying, who, it's like, okay, there is some of you who, and, and you're like, what, that's a weird question. Some of you are going, if my husband tries to fix the dryer, it'll never work again, <laughs> right? Because you're wondering where I'm going. That's exactly where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Some of you ladies are like, no, stay away from the dryer. Why? Because that's not your talent, honey. You, you know, you can do other things, but please stay away from the computer. Please stay away from this. But honey, I want to show you my love by doing that. If you love me, you won't. (laughs) I could get into real trouble by saying, how many of you men want your wife to drive you down the hill? Okay, because some of the, some of the, so the guys in here would say, no way, I've already talked to you, you know, like, no, I don't feel loved when my wife drives. I feel terror. <laughs> you guys are really silent right now going, I'm not saying a word. Why? Well, you know, and, and, and some, of, some of those guys were not the best drivers either, whatever it is. But the thing is, there's, there's, there's ways to show love. There's ways to receive love. And we're not all wired the same way to receive love. And we're not all able to give love in certain ways. Knowing that your, your wife doesn't expect you to fix the dryer to show your love for her could be really good. She just expects you to get the repairman out. Okay? How is God any different? See, we have to understand that God's the same way. He created us, and He knows our abilities and our gifts, and He wants you to love God not with somebody else's abilities. He wants you to love God with yours. Some people believe that the only way to serve God is to be in full-time ministry. And, 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 and immediately most people are thinking, that means you've got to be a pastor or a teacher, and you've got to do this. And, and, and you know, if I were to take a, a show of hands, who, who on, in the, on a Sunday morning wants to be up in front of the people speaking? <laughs> it's like, not me. Do you know the number one fear for people is public speaking? It is a bigger fear than death. More people are afraid of public speaking than they are of death, which means if you have the opportunity to either be the guy giving the eulogy, you would rather be in the casket. (laughs) And some of you are like, yeah, that's the way I used to be. God did a change in my life. God has given you gifts, and he wants you to love him with your gifts, not with mine. He wants you to love him with your abilities and talents, not with the missionaries. But he wants you to dedicate your life, your whole life, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which, you know, that's your abilities, your thinking, your relationships. He just wants you to give it all to him. But it's not going to look like the guy next to you. You know, I mean, I, 
I, uh, I'm going to not pick on, I'm going to lift up my, my nephew. Josh is an amazing guy, and he's got these talents to build things and do things, and he's fixing up his house and building, you know, uh, uh, greenhouses. And, I mean, I go over to his house all the time. I'm just amazed at the stuff he can do, and I'm like, oh, I need to do that for my wife. If I really love my wife, I'll make my house nice like that. I don't have the talent he does. I'm just waiting for him to come and do it for me. (laughs) And that's on the recording, and so now there's pressure for him to do it. (laughs) You know, I've got some abilities, and uh, there's a lot of things I don't have abilities to do. But God wants me to use the abilities that I have to serve him. He wants me to use my resources to serve him. Whatever that is. And he wants the same from you. See, all of us are called to be in full-time ministry because ministry is just service. We're all called to love God with everything, all the time. That doesn't mean we're supposed to be studying the Bible to preach all the time. That's, you know, how, how many preachers do we need? Well, not that, not that many. We just need a couple. But we need people to love one another. We need some people to help the widows, encourage the downcast. We need people to set an example of of what loving your wife looks like, what raising your kids looks like. You know, I've I've been really blessed and humbled when people have come up to me and says that that one of the greatest things that I'm I'm achieving in my life has nothing to do with preaching or anything else. It's in my kids. People look at my kids and go, wow. And I look at my kids and go, whose kids are you? <laughs> I'm so messed up. I mean, you know, how, did, how do I have good kids? I married well. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, we actively in our house love our kids we try to. I think about it. I mean, I, I hold my tongue. I try to hold my tongue because I know that words are powerful. And, and you, you, can, you can ask them. I, I, I blow up sometimes. But I really try to say encouraging things to my kids. And I try to talk about Jesus and what he's done for me. And I try to live that, not because I'm a pastor, but because I love God and I want my kids to love God too. There's another thing I, I wanted my kids to do. I wanted my kids to be musical. Now, this isn't about me, but I'm going to draw a point here. I wanted my kids to be musical. You know what I didn't do? Sat back and says, I want my kids to be musical. I want my kids to be musical. I want my kids to be musical. I didn't do that. I sat down with them and I taught them how to play. I spent time with them doing what I want them to do. I model it. We talk about it. He plays two instruments already. He's, he is a better musician at 16 than I was at about 18 or 19. So I mean, he's, already, he's, already, he's already a couple years ahead of me. And I, I'm encouraging him. He, and and if, he doesn't li- if he doesn't want to, that's fine. But, but the point was is that, that what I was trying to get, I, I, I modeled and I did it with them. We can't sit back and just want stuff to happen. We have to live it and model it. We want to we serve God with, with everything that we have. We want to take those opportunities to let God change our character, change our, our thinking. 
Bible in, in Romans 12, it says, Offer yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It also says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll tell you what. My mind was so dirty as a young guy. I'm still cleansing out the filthy jokes that I used to hear and know. Because God doesn't want that from me. He says, don't, don't have those courses. So I'm working at these things. How about you? Are we on this to cleanse our heart and our mind and to give God our everything and to dedicate Him with everything? A moment ago when I was talking about, about the kids, I need to get right back to that. Because we're going to have a baby dedication in just a minute. and we, we have five beautiful children being dedicated this morning. And, and, and we, we've talked a little bit and they've listened to some teachings. You know, a child dedication is not just a ceremony. It's not another photo op. You know, oh, look, I'm going to put it on Facebook. No, a child dedication is, is a statement that says, I am going to, I want my child to grow up in the faith, in the Christian faith, which is a living religion, not a dead religion. I want my child to follow Jesus when they're old, I want them to be a Christian, and so I'm going to dedicate them to service of the Lord. Well, one of the things that I've, I've taught a little bit in, in, the, in the teachings that we already went through is that if you can't just come up here one, one day a year and do that and expect to have a Christian come out. You have to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. You have to model it. You have to practice it yourself. In my family growing up, there was some wonderful things and there was some bad things modeled. One of the wonderful things in my family was love. We loved. My mother loved us. And, and, and we got the love thing really down. Unfortunately, and we've talked about this, and there's no anger and there's forgiveness. And, and, and there was also alcohol in my home. And guess what? We got the alcohol down too. I was drinking by 11. I was smoking pot and selling pot on the campus of the elementary school in sixth grade. I was just doing what I saw. God, by His grace, reached down and saved every one of us. But I tell you, it was a lot of work. There's still stuff that we're, we're overcoming. Parents, what you do, what you model, your kids will do. Good and bad. And so these parents are coming today to commit their children and their lives to the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and ask all the, the parents that are bringing their little babies and their kids up, and, and it's going to get noisy, and everyone's going to start going, Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> and, you know, feel free to, grandparents, get around and get your period. Don't feel like you can't post this on Facebook. I, I say, go ahead and stand up on the platform. It'll be a little, there's more room back, back there. You know, um, don't feel like you can't take the pictures. We want the pictures. 
It's, it's more than a photo op, though. More than a photo op. God delights in his children. He takes great pleasure in all of us and in all of them. They're the, one of the greatest gifts that he gives to husbands and wives. Psalm 127 says this, Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. And because kids are a gift from God, it's natural that Christian parents want to present and dedicate their kids to God. First Samuel 1, we find Hannah presenting her son Samuel to the Lord. Now, Hannah did something a little different. She actually presented him to the Lord and left him there. Take your kids home with you. Well, actually, actually, we wouldn't mind any one of these. If you want to leave one with Shannon and I, we want them. Um, in Luke 2.22, Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to the temple and presented him to the Lord. In the Gospels, we read that, that the, the people were bringing the kids to Jesus and the disciples were like, no, get those kids away. And he's like, hey, they need to come. And he blessed them and he prayed for them. Jesus, God loves the children. So, so as, as parents throughout the Bible brought their kids to be presented, so all of these, these parents are bringing their, their babies, their kids, to, to be presenting them and presenting themselves before God. And um, we have grandparents, we have siblings that are, that are part of this family, and they're part of this because the grandparents and the godparents and the siblings have, have a lot to do in dedicating these these children to the Lord because they're going to be part of the process of modeling God God and Christhood. So, so parents, uh, I want to talk to you guys. I want to call your attention to the commands of God in Deuteronomy 6. And I've been talking about this all morning. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And here it goes, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Some of you guys in here remember this. The year I was born, the band Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young wrote a song. Teach your children well. Right? Remember that? Teach your children well. I remember that song. You know, some of you are like, huh? That was the year I was born. Proverbs 10 says this, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. The best thing moms and dads can teach their children is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The beginning of knowledge, this is the beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord. In other words, the, su- the successful application of everything that your babies will learn in life will depend on, on them first learning to fear and follow God. So as the church urges you guys as parents to love God with every ounce, every ounce of your strength, your fiber of your being, love God. Siblings, love God. Love your, love your siblings that are being dedicated. Model to them this life in Christ. So, so, so parents, as you're coming forward before God and his people today, I'm going to ask you, will you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourself and your child to the Lord? And if so, will you say, we do? Que tremendo. You know, they've come freely. They've wanted to be part of this. And so now I'm going to ask that they enter into the following commitment in the presence of God, in the presence of His church, so that your children will walk in the life that Christ offers. Parents, will you 
vow by God's help and in partnership with the church to provide your, your children a Christian home of love and of peace, to raise them in the fear of the Lord, in the love of the Lord, in the Lord's instruction and discipline? Will you encourage your child to one day trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord? Finally, I want to talk to us as a a church just briefly to make a vow as well because as believers in Christ, we have the responsibility to teach the gospel story, to live it out, and to to model a life of godliness to the younger parents and to the children. In fact, the Old Testament prophet Joel commands us to tell of God's work to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. So this next thing is to us as, as part of the congregation. We're going to see these kids running around the church. We want to encourage them. We want to love them. We want to model what Christianity does. We don't want to allow these little kids, as they start getting older, to, to be walking down the street one day and see one of the godly people in their life living a sinful life. We want to model that. So as we're present today in the house of God, will we, will you, declare yourselves to be the children of God because you trust in Christ alone for your forgiveness of sins? Will you model this? Will you, will you agree to pray for these parents and these families and model the life of Christianity? If you do, will you please say, we do? See, look at these guys. This is our family. It's like a big, crazy family reunion here. You know, we're all weird uncles. Some of you are weirder than others. We're going to be faithful. Be faithful to them. They're going to be faithful to their families. And I tell you, some of you who have raised kids, you know it's not easy. This is the hardest thing we've ever done in my family is to raise kids. My wife and I, we talk sometimes late at night. and We we cry and we're like, wow, are they going to be okay? There's a joke that we have in our family when we screw up. You know, when when us as Shannon and I, when we do something, we're like, oh yeah, they'll be in counseling over this one for sure. (laughs) I'm going to stretch forth our hands. We're going to pray for each of these babies and these parents. Hi, you woke up. You're so precious. Father, I thank you for these families before you and as they dedicate their little babies to you, we ask for strength and wisdom. God, we ask the anointing and a blessing from God. Lord, that these marriages themselves would be strong. God, that they would learn to love one another in deep ways. God, that you would cause them to to love Christ, that you would help them, give them the strength and the wisdom to raise these little ones, to pour their love and their life and their time. God, we thank you for the precious gift of children. God, we know that blessed are, are those of children that are like a, a, the quiver and they're blessed whose quiver is full they're arrows to be shot out into this world, and we just thank you that each of these little babies will, will come to know you, will come to love you, and that you will strengthen these families, 
that these families would be a, an example to others of what God can do in, in this generation. Father, I pray that you would help, uh, help each of these uh, parents to, to be humble enough to ask for help when they need it, God. Know that they're not alone. I pray that this church would never judge, would, would not speak out of line, but we would just love and encourage and, and be the body of Christ that we need to be. And I thank you that each of these children will grow up to know you, to follow you. And we ask these things as we commit ourselves in the process. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Is there any other pictures that need to happen? Thank you. Hydrocodone happening again. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone know. Okay. Well, we know this is Josh and Sarah Hastings and Quinn and Remington. Quinn and Remington. We just call her Remy. Remy. This is Aaron and Ashley Taylor. This is Bob and Jolene's son and grandson, Reese's Pieces. No, his, <laughs> his name is Reese. <laughs> I like that. Reese Frederick. This is Mario and Gina. Or Regina. I don't know what to She's been Reggie forever. And their son, Mario. This is... Mike and Elise Valenzuela and their beautiful Tegan. Tegan. Now, I was on Facebook. Are you having another one? Facebook tells all. I'm like, whoa, there's another one coming. Praise God. That's awesome. Congratulations. This is our family, guys. Oh. I have to sign these, but they each get a certificate of dedication um, with their name on it and the date. And so, and so we, we, this, is, this is awesome. Let's give them a hand, and then I'll sign these real quick and get, get them out to them. You guys go be seated. Amen. Um, yes, thank you. We're not done. There's, there's two more things that we're doing, and I actually did it this way on purpose, and I appreciate you, 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 you mentioning that. We're dedicating things today. We didn't take an offering. We're still going to do that at the very end, okay? Because we, we're talking about loving God with everything, and I wanted that to sink in to say, you know, at the end, we'll take an offering. But we're dedicating one other thing today. We've been watching this young man grow up in this church his entire life. He's, he was dedicated. I was talking with, with, with Aaron this morning. He was dedicated at this church. He went off to Honor Academy to serve God and to work with Acquire the Fire for a couple of years. He spent three years on the mission field in Guatemala, getting a heart for, for a bigger heart for missions, serving his life there. He's come back. I asked him to take a break and to come and be our children's ministry director. And he's here for the, for the next year or so. And, but his call is, he just believes it's full time. It's full time. I mean, this, this guy just set apart. I mean, he, he, he just, it's a gift of God. 
I mean, he, he knows how to live on nothing financially. He's just satisfied to be doing whatever God calls him to do. And he's been putting his hand to the plow. He's learning. This morning, we're, he, he's, been, he's had a certificate of ministry for, a, uh, for about two years now. This morning, we're, uh, we're giving him a license of ministry. So he's just continuing to grow. I'm going to ask Brian to come. He just had surgery on Monday. I'm going to ask, ask Joe and Bob to come. And Jolene, of course, your mom, you can come. We're going to pray for him. You know, he's... He, he's doing it now. Yeah, yeah he, ser- he serves all over the church. And so today, we're issuing this li- certificate of license of ministry. And we're going to lay hands on him and commission him in the ministry as he's dedicating his life to whatever God has. You know, he just... He just knows. He doesn't know what it looks like. He just knows that God's. He's in God's hands. So let's let's pray for him. Father, we commit him to the service of God. Pray that you would strengthen every fiber of his being. That you would cause him to continue to be a, a, a witness where he goes. That you, we thank you for the heart to minister to children. God, I pray that you would give him an anointing, an extra anointing, an ability to to uh, reach children and to minister to the broken brokenness that they have and bring them life and hope, point them to you and, and, and help them, help these young ones that his heart is for to find Christ and to find hope in, in brokenness. God, so, and I just, we commit him fully into the ministry that you have for him. Pray that you would keep him uh, safe from the attacks of the enemy, strengthen him, gird him up. God, I pray that you would cause his heart uh, to be fully upon you, that he would find himself a man of, of the word of God, that he would strengthen himself, that he would be like David who, who strengthened himself and encouraged himself in the Lord, that he would be a self-feeder throughout his life. He would, uh, he would break away for times of refreshing and worship and dedication and, and finding the time to devote uh, to learning who you are and to knowing you deeper, that he would have that as the well to give out from. Father, that he would give out not from his own personality and his own kindness, God, but he would give out from a well, a deposit of the the Spirit of God inside of him. Because it's the Spirit of God, the, 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 the anointing of God that breaks the yoke of bondage, Lord. We, we thank you, God, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. God, that the, the power that we have is not carnal, but it's mighty because it's a spiritual power. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. Let him walk in the power of the Spirit, not in carnality, but full of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 There's one more in there. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Yes. Hallelujah. All right. You know, we've been talking. We're, we're going to wrap up here. We're going to, the very last thing, we receive an offering, and so the ushers are in place. We're going to get ready for that. But um, we're talking about dedicating. So the, the, the question is, you didn't just come to see a baby dedication. I hope you heard the message. We're, we're supposed to dedicate ourselves. We're each called to love God personally with your gifts, with your talents, with your abilities. What's God asking you? How is he asking you 
to love him. We're going to receive an offering, and that's actually part of the way that we show our love and affection for God is that we take our resources. And it's, it's another way it says, I'm surrendered to you, God. I'm not doing this thing on my own. I'm going to give you whatever you ask. I'm going to give it, give it to you and, and rely on you. I'm all in. I'm all in. So as we give into the offering day, that's the, that's the idea, that you would be willing and to give what God calls you to give, what he's put it upon your heart. And we're going to, let's pray for the, the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done this morning. And I'd pray the challenging prayer at the end, God, that you would touch each of us, that you would challenge each of us to dedicate ourselves fully to you in our work habits, in our relationships, with our children, with our grandchildren, in our neighborhoods, with our resources, with our finances that we dedicate. God, we want to see the kingdom come. Lord, this isn't just a philosophy. You're the way, the truth, and the life. The world needs to know about you, and we want to be part of that with our finances. As we give into the offering, we pray that you would use this place, Big Bear Christian, or this family, to reach the lost and to help the disciple, the saved, as we travel on this journey together. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As the ushers coming around, we also have the ability to give, give online, text giving, and on the website. And in your bulletin, we didn't really do announcements this morning, but the big one is National Day of Prayer. National Day of Prayer is next, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. It was in the insert in your, in your bulletin. Throughout the day on that day, pray all day. Throughout the day, just stop and pray for this nation. This nation needs to come back to Jesus. And, and, and really, it's, I, I'm not going to, you know, not this nation doesn't need to come back to Jesus. The people of this nation need to come to Jesus. The people need to come to Jesus. So we want to pray for the people. So that day is a day set apart for prayer throughout the day. So in the morning at 7 a.m., we're meeting at Community Church. There's a, there's a um, continental breakfast and a time of prayer. A lot of churches are going to be open during the noon hour for work, especially in the, in the city. And then in the evening, I believe it's at 7 o'clock again, Bobby. 7 o'clock again at Calvary Chapel. We'll end this, the evening with a, um, a prayer service together. So our life groups, we're, we're not going to be at life group. We're going to be praying together as a community. And the Bible says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I'll hear from heaven. I'll he- forgive their sins and heal their land. That's what we're, we're praying for. So that's the biggest announcement and everything else in the bulletin. God bless you all. We did a lot, and it's only 11.08. Hey, there's still some coffee and snacks out there. Go hug a few necks. Get to know two people you don't know out on the patio. Go get them. Thursday the 4th.